1: This is Bart Peterson and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Greg Gilchrist and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Dan DeMarco and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network.
0: The FCPA Compliance Report is the longest-running podcast in compliance. Engaging a wide variety of compliance-related guests and topics. Each week, Tom Fox brings you the top commentators and information which will inform your compliance program going forward. Join us again for the top podcast in compliance, hosted by the voice of compliance, Tom Fox. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have Joel Antrophy. Joel is partner and founding partner at Bergen Antrophy, uh, a firm here in Houston with one of its specialties in false claims acts. So, Joel, it's uh, great to have you back. Thank you, Tom. Uh, good afternoon. Hey, you've been doing this kind of work for a long time, probably longer than either one of us cares to to recall yeah. on this podcast. But there have been some uh, recent developments, and I wanted to uh, have you back, come back on the podcast and see if we could perhaps today focus on defense contractor misconduct and the role the False Claims Act plays and claimants play in holding defense contractors who sign contracts with the U.S. government to account. So where would be the best place to start?
0: I think we can start with the current conditions. I think the uh, current conditions we are are under with regard to the virus is going to cause a lot of fraud to occur throughout the United States, not just in terms of the government bailout issues, but just in terms of fraud in general, because people are going to believe and people that generally have cheated the government for years are going to believe or people new to the game are going to believe that the government's guard is down now and then they can get away with a lot of things by just being crooked and cheating the government out of the money that the uh, taxpayers uh, pay the government every year. So I think we're now in a point where there's going to be not only a government stimulus for everybody to uh, get back to their economic goals, but there's also going to be a fraud stimulus perpetuated on the American taxpayer and the government. And I sure. love A couple of those areas now, but go ahead, Tom.
1: Yeah, what's the role of the False Claims Act in protecting people like you and me as U.S. taxpayers?
0: Well, if we if if somebody does business with the government uh, and cheats the government, the government spends hundreds of millions and billions of dollars every year. For example, in defense contractor type of cases, you know, you could think of the defense contractors out there, and you think of the amount of contracts they have with the government to build rockets, to build uh, spaceships, to build, you know, uh, fighter planes, to build uh, military bases overseas, uh, just to do anything for the government. None of that is done generally by government employees. It's done by people who have contracts with the government. And um, at this time, everybody's going to think that the government is paying attention to fraud uh, with regard to these virus issues. But, you know, when a taxpayer working for one of these defense contractors notices that his company is doing things inappropriately, for example, Tom, they could, um, uh, be involved and see that the government is not getting the right product that it contracted for, uh, or, The contractor is mischarging the government or overcharging the government for supplies or services rendered, or the uh, contractor is falsely certifying that they have incurred certain costs when they haven't, or they're substituting goods in place of goods that were due under the contract. Otherwise, they're basically uh, substituting non-conforming materials Uh, they're charging uh, the government for costs that are unallowable, or they may be attributed to other contracts, or they're falsifying the costs or pricing information that they agree to with the government. Anytime that happens, the net effect being that the government gets an inferior product or the government gets a product that they contracted for, but they paid twice as much, anytime that happens the person working for the defense contractor has an obligation to notify the government about the wrongdoing. And by notifying the government and going through an attorney, you have a chance to get a reward. Now, a lot of people do it and they don't care about the reward, but there's a lot of people that do. Either way, you should get the award if you expose yourself to doing this type of stuff. And uh, people should feel comfortable going to a lawyer and reporting government fraud what you'll do is you'll participate with the government in their investigation you'll be sort of the government informant you won't be wi- you may be wired you may not be wired but you'll do things at the behest of the government to help the government uncover the fraud you'll be doing a public service you'll be doing something that is special to the government special to the taxpayers and special to your Children and grandchildren. You have an opportunity to expose a wrongdoer and make him pay the government back what he wrongfully took from the government and the taxpayers. Every year, when we pay taxes to the government, we pay a lot of money. All these monies go towards these government contracts. So, what you're doing is preventing the fraudster from taking your money that you gave the government every year that all the taxpayers, your friends, gave the government every year in taxes, you're trying to retrieve that back to the government so the government could put it to a legitimate good use and helping people out or helping to establish projects or doing whatever, but in under fair circumstances. And what you do is you go to a lawyer, you report the fraud. The lawyer files a lawsuit with the government. It's under seal. So you will not be revealed. Your name will not be revealed at this juncture. The government will investigate the case, and it could take years for that to happen because the government has to go through documents. They have to talk to witnesses. They have to really investigate the case to determine what you're saying is true. There's a lot of people that report things because they're angry with a company or they're upset and they just want to tell a story about something that really isn't fraud. It has more to do with how upset they are with their employment activities. But you should be focused on trying to report fraud to the government. Now, at the same time, people are wondering, God, if I report fraud to the government, uh, what will happen later? Will I lose my job? What will that do to my career? Well, those are good questions. Number one, if we report fraud to the government and the government collects eventually, you'll get a reward. The government will pay out anywhere between and 30%, for example, of what the government collects, depending on the stages that the government proceeds. If the government uh, pays out that money, you split that money with your lawyer under the existing contract you have with a lawyer. You should only go into these cases, generally speaking, on a contingency fee basis, Uh, because most people don't have the resources to pay lawyers millions of dollars of what it would take to litigate these cases. So basically, the rule of thumb is you hire a lawyer, the lawyer does it generally on a contingency, because it's going to cost the lawyer a lot of money to put together a case to report it to the government. And if the government can't settle the case and there has to be litigation, it'll cost the lawyers even more money. You don't want, even if you have money, you don't want to put yourself into more debt. What you want to do is say to the lawyer, listen, if I recover, you can get 40%, let's say. If I don't recover, you know, I walk away as the uh, whistleblower, not costing me anything. And you, the lawyer, you took a chance. You took a chance to get 40% if it worked out. If it didn't work out, you walk away and get nothing. So there's a risk and reward for the lawyer. And there's a risk and a reward for the client. The client puts himself out there as a whistleblower. Now, generally speaking, lawyers that practice in this area that know this area, should be able for a significant period of time to keep their client's name under the radar screen. The case is filed in a court, but it's under seal, which means that nobody can have access to that except the government and your own lawyer. Eventually, the case will get unsealed if it gets settled, or the government, for example, declines to participate, and they say this is not a valid case We don't want to go forward with it. And it may get unsealed. And at that point in time, your name will be revealed in the public records. On the other hand, under the certain circumstances, we've had clients before that have worried about this. So we've filed their cases under the names of John Doe or Jane Doe to keep them, uh, if they come unsealed, to keep their names being anonymous so that nobody will know who they are eventually if the case gets unsealed. And a lot of times judges have allowed cases to remain sealed for a lengthy period of time uh, so that you can move on to a different job, a different career. um, And you're not your, your career doesn't get exposed. But I tell clients all the time that you have to be prepared. If you become a whistleblower, you have to be prepared to eventually go into a different area of employment Because a lot of employers, if they find out you're a whistleblower, and again, that won't happen for years. And if it happens and you've recovered a lot of money in the process, it may be worth it. But if you don't recover any money, your name is out there, then you have the circumstance of dealing with a new career. So we put clients, your lawyer that you want to hire should be able to put you on notice and explain to you the circumstances by which filing one of these lawsuits could have negative consequences to you. Not for everybody, but it could have it for some people. And basically what we tell our clients is, you know, if you engage in this type of activity and it turns out that the case doesn't have any merit, then you, your name may be revealed out there and you probably uh, won't be able to partake in that tape, same type of employment for the rest of your life. You'll have to go into a different area, a different company, et cetera. So, we go through that in detail with people, and a lot of them aren't concerned about that because they know they have to report the fraud. Also, you need to know that if you're retaliated in any respect, if you're um, retaliated by, for example, the company finding out that you're reporting the fraud, you're entitled to recover damages against the company for any type of retaliation, if they fire you because you reported the fraud, then uh, you have an opportunity to recover from your employer uh, the wages that you lost. So there's and and they have to rehire you and put you back in the same stature that you were at the company earlier. So that these are very complicated procedures that a lawyer who you want to hire should go over with you detail by detail in terms of your specific situation, what could happen if the company finds out, what your response should be, uh, what type of recovery you can get against the company directly, uh, and what role the lawyer should be in sort of advising you through this process. That was a long answer to a short question, Tom, but there's a lot there in terms of advising people.
1: Joel, if I could now turn to defense contracting fraud, because it strikes me that one of the things that differentiates this type of fraud is it really can put Americans at physical risk. If a company um, has false product information uh, or uh, negligently manufactures products or intentionally does so, we could be putting our, that company could be putting our servicemen and women in harm's way. Does that change your calculus for bringing one of these cases or does it just make it more important?
0: Well, it makes it more important. Years ago, Tom, uh, a client came to me with a situation where She was working for a company, and they were mislabeling the expiration dates on food products sent to our troops in the Middle East. And I didn't know, it wasn't a large company, and I didn't know if we would recover any money someday, but I felt it was important for the firm and it was important for the client to report this to the government. She reported it to the government, and it turned out to be a very good case. The government investigated the case did a search warrant at the company and actually saw the uh, employees of the company drilling off the expiration dates uh, on the food products with these Dremel tools. Uh, The government investigated the case, uh, fined the company a lot of money. The client made a significant amount of money off of it. None of us went into this to make any money and we made good money. But the point was that our troops were getting substandard food. And uh, it was important to uh, stop this and to make the people responsible uh, pay for it. And they also not only did they pay civilly, but they also paid criminally because the government indicted uh, some of the principals of the company for this uh, fraudulent behavior. So a lot of times these matters not only can have a civil outcome, but they can have a criminal outcome. Um and our client was very nervous throughout the process and worried that someday somebody would retaliate against her. But the Department of Defense, who I have a lot of regard for, uh, let us know that they would put the client under some sort of protection for a period of time till she felt comfortable again. Uh, and that they would make sure that everything worked out well for her. And so she had the comfort of not only the law firm looking out for her, but the government looking out for her to make sure that nobody retaliated against her.
1: Joel, I, from time to time, visit with lawyers who specialize in Securities and Exchange Commission whistleblower cases, and they uniformly talk about the need for a good working relationship between the whistleblower's attorney and the government. Is that true in False Claims Act cases as well?
0: Yes, I, I do uh, SEC whistleblower work also. And it's important to have a good line of communi- communication with the SEC counsel and in the uh, False Claims Act cases or the tam cases, as we call it. It's important to have a good line of communication with the Department of Justice and the local U.S. Attorney's Office. And more importantly, at times, I believe it's a very, it's a very important to have a good uh, working relationship with the government agency. Whether it be the uh, Health and Human Services, uh, or the Department of Defense, or any educational agency, or any agency dealing with energy issues, or a variety of government agencies that will have oversight over the investigation.
1: Well, so you were quoted in an article by our friend uh, Walt uh, Pavlo entitled "Fraud in Post-COVID-19 World." We really, I think one of the great lines of all time, and I just want to read it and ask you if you could expand upon it a little bit. Um, you said, quote, I want the money that comes out of the uh, bailout uh, to go to the American worker, not the American fraudster. Could you explain that and why that's so important
0: Well, right with the, now? with the recent stimulus package we had with regard to helping people survive during this uh, virus outbreak, it's important for the American taxpayer that needs the money to get the money. And it's more important for that to happen than the uh, taxpayer that doesn't need it uh, uh, because it's fabricating its issues. uh, And that causes a lot of distress for the, uh, the community at large. If you're a large company and you're very successful, you have a right to the money. I'm not saying you don't have a right to the money. The people that don't have a right to the money, the people that manipulate their reporting to the government and uh, basically do what happens in general key temp cases, they misreport. They falsify their information to get more money or they falsify information to get any money. And that's what's going to happen during this coronavirus outbreak. There's going to be a lot of people taking advantage of this program. Uh, I would say that, you know, we hear about a two trillion dollar program. I wouldn't be surprised if you know uh, at least twenty-five percent of the money paid out to the government is paid out under fraud- false or fraudulent circumstances. That's how rampant it is in the healthcare arena. In general, there is a significant amount of fraud on a daily basis. Uh, in defense contracting cases, there's a significant amount of fraud. So when you hand out money like it's going on now. People are going to have their hand out too far, and they're going to have more than two hands out. They're going to have multiple opportunities to cheat the government, and the government needs to pay particular attention to that. And it's not government watchdogs that are going to uncover this. It's not like they can send out more FBI agents or government agents or Department of Defense agents to uncover this fraud. Generally speaking, most of the fraud that always gets uncovered by the government gets uncovered as a result of whistleblowers. The insiders at the company that report the fraud. We have a good mechanism in our country that rewards people for reporting fraud uh, so that the government doesn't have to get cheated on a daily basis and they could get some uh, restitution back uh, against the people that, you know, have, uh, you know, cheated the government. Uh, and it's always going to go on. There is no... Uh, um set of circumstances that the government's going to just be doing things in good faith with people uh the government acts in good faith but you know they have to presume that the people they deal with are not and it's 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 a constant problem where every year hundreds of millions of dollars the government gets cheated out of and depending on the area of uh uh, of uh, uh government work you know most of the health and most of the uh, uh care type of deals uh, involving pharmaceutical companies, healthcare care companies, there's a tremendous amount of cheating in excess of a billion dollars, billions of a year. And with regard to defense contractors, there's cheating going on of billions of dollars a year. And I suspect with the coronavirus, there's going to be cheating going on in terms of, you know, billions and billions. It's hard to put an exact number to it. But if we're talking about trillions being given out, we're going to be talking about billions uh, of money being uh, misappropriated.
1: Joel, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time. But if any of our listeners wanted more information on you, the firm, or your practice, uh, where would they go and how could they find out?
0: Well, they should go to our website, uh, www.b, as in Berg, A as in androphy firm.com. And uh, when you get onto the website, click the key tam practice area, and that'll take you through uh, all the issues that you should be aware of before you embark upon uh, one of these matters. And um, I have multiple videos there, videos on there that basically tell you uh, what's going to be involved in these cases. It gives a little explanation, not only in writing, but in my presentation, And it's very important that when you choose a lawyer, there's a lot of good lawyers out there, but there's a lot of lawyers that don't know what they're doing, too. So it's important when you choose your lawyer, you choose somebody that has a lot of experience, that's familiar with the area, that's familiar with the government lawyers, has experience doing this, and by and large will protect you in the process. Right now, for example, I have a a client in the Middle East that's uh, very concerned about his case. And he's always worried that the government doesn't have his back out there uh, because he's a whistleblower. But, you know, the Department of Defense that I deal with uh, and I'm in touch with weekly on the case uh, are always reminded by by us that you have a whistleblower out there that needs your attention. And uh, my client calls me weekly just to make sure that they got his back. So there's a lot of responsibility that the lawyer has to uh Uh, engage in, not only signing up the client and filing a complaint, but there's a lot of backup that you have to do. You have to spend a lot of time with your clients, giving them a level of comfort, talking to the government, apprising them of the circumstances of your client's situation so they can take any action to rectify any problems out there. Um, And people have to know that somebody is watching out for them. And that's one of the main major services that we provide to our client. Sure, we're all in this to make a buck in reality, but it's also important for the government and public service to be acknowledged and you to do a good job for the government that you will ultimately receive the highest rewards for. And it's very important for us to feel that our clients have gotten our protection, the clients have achieved the results, plus that they wanted to achieve and they even achieve more than they would have thought, and they feel good about what they've done, not just put a couple dollars in the bank.
1: Joel, this is always a great time when I can visit with you, but frankly, I think now the services you and your firm provide are even more important in times of the stimulus and the Defense Department's uh, role going forward. So I wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me today.
0: Thank you, Tom, and thank you, everybody, and I hope everybody stays safe and healthy out there.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. I hope you will join me for next week's episode where I take up another topic of FCPA or compliance related. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thank you again for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again next week.